<laughs> Your goose is cooked. expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. See you, Dave. Overcome. Overcome. Don't cry victim to me. No, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life. Today. 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 (laughs) Welcome to another episode, my friends and family and recovery type like people. Those of you who are advocates and those of you who are in recovery and perhaps some of you who should be. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome with Mr. Dave Fleming. Um, before we get started today, though, I've, I've got a, um, even before we get to our icebreaker, um, I've got kind of an urgent request, a Dave. public service announcement? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, my good friend, uh, Joe, Joe Fuller, a.k.a. Joe Fingas, he is, is a, an amazing pianist, uh, recovery recording artist, uh, sent me a request. Um, he's out of Florida. The Alano Club of Fort Walton Beach, um, they're right now, they're faced with the necessity to purchase the property, which they've been renting for over 40 years. Wow. Um, this club hosts more than 40 meetings and study groups every week. Um, these are, there are approximately 30% of all meetings in the Fort Walton Beach is hosted by this, um, this club. Uh, they literally have helped thousands of alcoholics and addicts recover in nearly 45 a year history. They, um, they're, they're, they're having to raise $200,000 to purchase the building. Uh, they've raised 25, basically $2,500 so far just in a few days, which is really good. Um, but here's just some points I want to point out. The Alano Clubhouse, better known as 52 Beale, that's the uh, street address, in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, uh, has been in operation for over 41 years. Uh, it is a landmark of recovery known by its address, 52 Beale, uh, not its name, centrally located and within walking distance for addicts and alcoholics in the area. It hosts four to six 12-step recovery-oriented meetings, AA, NACA, and many others per day, over 40 a week. The uh, drug court program, uh, state probation officers, social services, mental health services, and local churches um, direct and suggest that their clients participate, uh, and they're, they're very much behind them. 
Uh, the property has been offered to the Alano Club of Fort Walton Beach at a discounted rate due to the amount of help that they have given and provided the community. And we have a link on Take 12 Radio that says, Help Us Save the Alano Club. And it's a huge banner about smack dab in the middle of our website. If you click on there, it'll take you to the GoFundMe page so you can contribute. Nice. Um, uh, I was just, and I was throwing like the crunch numbers. Yeah. I mean, if you got 40 meetings mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. Right. And you got 10 people uh, at each meeting. Right. Right. Uh, if everybody give a hundred bucks, I mean, that's, It'd be $40,000 a week. There you go. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, not doable. Right. It, it, it's doable. And the place has been there for years. And I was talking to Joe on the phone and a lot of memories, a, a lot of stories of miracles uh, happening at that location. Uh, so please, uh, folks, uh, li- listen, no amount is too small. You, you know, there's a lot of people that when we've tried to raise money for Take 12 Radio before, I've gotten emails that says, well, all I got is $5. That really isn't going to do anything. No, no. Sure, well, let me tell you. Well. Let me tell you. Uh, if everybody would just give a little bit, uh, you know, it grows. It, re- it really does. And uh, we'd hate to see the Alamo Club uh, in uh, Fort Walton Beach go under. So please jump on the bandwagon there and uh, if you want more information about that you can email me at take12radio at comcast.net and we will point you in the right direction so kudos to those who've raised $2,500 in just a couple of days Um, that's really great so I think it's going to happen so Joe Mr. Fuller keep looking up Um, I think help is on the way all right, so that brings us to what time is it, Dave? Do you have any idea? Uh, icebreaker? Oh. It's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. That's right. Well, you timed that out really good, Dave. <laughs> I could use an ice pack right about now. Yeah. You got a headache. I got a headache, and it's right between my eyes, and so Ouch. I'm just quite not quite myself today. Well, maybe this will cheer you up a little bit. Uh, Parish, Alabama. We haven't visited mm. Alabama with an icebreaker mm. uh, yet. Um, <laughs> I just I Uh-oh. can't picture this. Well, a stinking trail load of human waste from New York City is stranded. In a tiny Alabama town, spreading a stench like a giant backed-up toilet. And the poop train is just the latest example of the South being used as a dumping ground for other states' waste. In Paris, Alabama, population 982. That's pretty small. The sludge-hauling train cars have sat idle near the Little League ball field for more than two months. Oh, Lord. Uh, Mayor Heather Hall said the smell is unbearable, especially around dusk after the atmosphere has become heated. She said, oh, my goodness, it's just a nightmare. She said it smells like rotting corpses or or carcasses. It smells like death. So what are they going to do? It smells like that in shed some days. (laughs) Right. It used to smell like that. They got in the Albany. Pew Dairy down the road, and 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 the paper mill, right? And when the two, the wind blows just right, the two mix together. Oh know, boy! As a smell that I, I think I, if you could describe it, it's a combination of 
Chinese food. Yeah. And the poop. The cow poop. (laughs) Give it a cowbell. It's probably some pig and sheep in there, too. Well, Albany used to be known for its smell when it had the paper mill here. Right off the freeway. People say, oh, you live in Albany. Yeah, the place that stinks so bad. Uh, now it's in, uh, what What town is that it's in now? Hal- Halsey? Uh, Halsey is, yeah, because Halsey's, Halsey's right down there, yeah. not far from Shed. So that's that's part of the problem. And here's the second one. I love this. A Texas man who played, played guilty for stealing more than $1.2 million in fajitas while acting as a public servant has been sentenced to 50 years in prison. Now I I gotta tell you, if you have an addiction to fajitas to the point are, where are it's, these like little are these new like uh, animals or something endangered <laughs> species that we didn't we don't know about the fajita <laughs> the endangered fajita. Well, Gilberto Escamella, fifty three, was employed at the Daryl B Hester Juvenile Detention Center in San Benito, Texas. Until August 2017, when it was discovered that he had been placing orders for fajitas using county funds and then selling them for his own profit since December 2008. That's a long time. Uh, When sentenced on Friday, Escamilla was also served with the maximum fine of $10,000 on top of the $1.2 million he was ordered to pay back for the cost of the fajitas. According to the Brownsville wow. Herald, Escamela's scheme unraveled last August after a delivery driver with Labatt Food Service phoned the detention center to give kitchen employees a heads up that an 800-pound delivery of fajitas had arrived. Employees immediately thought the delivery to, delivery to be suspicious as minors at the detention center are not served fajitas, Dave. <laughs> However, the delivery driver insisted that he had been delivering fajitas to that detention center's kitchen for the past nine years. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. So I guess if you're going to embezzle something, don't embezzle fajitas. Yeah. It'll get you 50 years in the clink. Well, you know, and I bet there's a, a lot more. Probably. Incidences like that going on. That oh yeah, are being overlooked because everyone's so busy and they got their blinders on and nobody really pays a whole lot of attention to anything that's going on around them. Yeah. So I wonder if when you're working at an office in an office setting and you happen to take a pen home with you that belongs to the office, is that a gateway to stealing fajitas later on? Or maybe you're taking paper clips home or post-it pads? Well, okay, so a pen... Right. Yeah. I, I I have a pen and I stick it in my shirt pocket or whatever. Right. If I take it home, I'm gonna bring it back the next day. So is that really stealing? If I'm not gonna put a thing of post-it notes in my pocket, I mean, because then I'm obviously for got ulterior motives. Right. Same thing with paper clips. If I'm gonna stick a pocket full of paper clips, and you know. Then you're probably There's probably some warning you're on, signs. You're there. not on the up and up, so that might be gateway. But if to- they're attached to paperwork that I'm going to be doing, yeah. Well, that's different. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> so I remember opening the cabinet in in the in the uh, what we called the the um, 
what do you call that? The, the, the main part of the office over at Teen Challenge, the, um, the bullpen, I guess you call it the, the big area there. I remember my first day there, I opened up this cabinet and a whole case of post-it pads just came falling out all over the floor. It was great. I'm like, who needs all these post-it pads? Um, and there was every color too. And I'm thinking I could use some of these, but I didn't bring them home. Something in me said that would not be right. Right. Have you ever, that's what we should ask our listeners. Have you ever stolen from work intentionally? And if you have, did you make amends? Hmm. We had a guy that would say if he found something. Right. He'd say, look what God blessed me with. <laughs> so I think you don't leave anything laying around. Cause... Leave your coffee cup sitting there because you need to go to the restroom. You come back and it's gone. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that does it for the icebreaker for this week. La, la, ta, ta. All right. We're going to be back with your topics right after this. Don't go away. Hey, did you know that September is officially National Recovery Month? That's right. So I want you to join us on September 7th at Marion Square Park in Salem, Oregon from 2 to 7 p.m. Why? (laughs) It's hands across the bridge. The theme, building bridges, and the admission is free. Come join the celebration. We're going to have a DJ, we're going to have live music, food, games, and a whole lot more. This is the 12th annual Hands Across the Bridge. And during the main event, attendees will walk over the Marion Street Bridge to honor those in recovery and to remember those lost to addictions and mental health challenges in the past year. When? Hands Across the Bridge, Building Bridges, September 7th, Marion Square Park in Salem from 2 to 7 p.m. Remember, the admission is free and there's going to be a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of building bridges. 2018 Hands Across the Bridge is organized by Marion Polk Peer Coalition and sponsored in part by Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, back to more Solutions for Life today with Dave Fleming and the Montagnan. So welcome. Very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Very, very quiet. <laughs> well, I'm fud there because uh, we were hunting for uh, a topic for today, and uh, one of the one of the questions was: I, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Ken, who lives in Fargo, North Dakota. You ever watch that movie Fargo, Dave? Yeah, the movie and the TV and the, series. And the TV series, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ken said, because uh, he bugged me about it yesterday, aren't you going to talk about what I said? So the topic, coffee, why did we love it so much? Well, so let me just let me just start with that one. Because we do, do not mess with my coffee. I'm kind of a coffee snob, Dave. Uh, I'm kind of a coffee snob. You're just an addict. That's true. You're right. Yay. That's why we love our coffee That's so right. much. So there. Because if we don't have it, we'll go through withdrawals and then we'll won't be any Oh my fun. gosh. Have you ever have you ever seen people in a twelve step meeting or like at a twelve step business meeting when they say we don't have the funds for coffee? 
for this month, so we're not going to be having any. And watch people come absolutely unglued. Usually there's at least one or two people that will step up and, and say, donate. I'll donate. Yeah, and coffee or all donate the money. And they're the ones that are the most broke, but by God, we're going to make sure <laughs> coffee's in that Gotta pot. Make sure. Because <laughs> um, then there won't be anybody at the meeting. Right. So thanks, Ken, for that uh, that topic. So there we go. We're done with that one. Um, so, Dave, you, you, you picked out uh, four. Uh, we had a lot of people respond. Thank you all for your responses. And don't worry if we don't get to yours. We'll probably use some of these later on in the future. Yeah, there's a couple on here that we can do a whole show on. Right. So the topic this week is your topics. And um, so you want to start out with the first one? Yeah, I mean, the the four I picked kind of tie in together, and they they also can tie into uh, what you guys talked about on Monday. Right, last Monday. Can we all get along? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Andrew says, uh, "See a question posed to me by a young man. I am now firmly a believer in Christ, so I know my God is real and alive. How do I continue my recovery journey in twelve step fellowship? Any any ideas? Any ideas? Uh, you just do. <laughs> that's what I. I guess that's the simple answer." Um, I guess what he, I, I'm going to try to read between the lines right. here. I, I I suspect Andrew could tr- correct me if I'm wrong. And by the way, our our email address is take twelve radio at comcast dot net. Um, I suspect he is probably attending twelve step fellowships that have either made it clear that they're not to be God specific, or that's kind of the feeling he's getting, and maybe he's feeling like. How do I continue my journey with Christ in that particular 12-step setting? And um, let me just refer back tradition-wise. You're not breaking any traditions or anything if you are God-specific, as long as you're sharing in those meetings uh, your personal story in a general way. Right. It's when they, when they, when they put it in, they put in the initial AA program, right? Mm-hmm. It's higher power. They did it because there's a lot of people that come in. I mean, they changed it up. I mean, it was the, the the twelve steps and that all that whole process comes right out of the Bible, right? And so uh, the problem is, is that you get people that are have had problems with uh, religion or organized religion. Uh, you know, hypocrites. I mean, I I'm one of them, and so it's like, yeah, okay, so. We're, we can't. We're not going to say God because everyone's different. Uh, some people are not sure what the heck's going on yet, right? But they know they need to stop drinking or stop using or stop gambling or whatever your issue is. We don't want to lose them, so right. And, yeah. and and it's you know we've talked about this before about being you know spiritual kindergarten is what uh, is kind of where that falls into. It's like okay, so I'm fi- trying to figure this out. I'm not sure exactly where my spiritual spirituality is. Um, or what that looks like. So you know, the group is my higher power, right? 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 Because this group, it, it, it collectively, is a power greater than myself. Sure. So that's kind of where that is. Now, if you, your higher power is God or Jesus Christ, that's okay. Sure, it it, you still fit in there. It it doesn't take away from your, uh, your spiritual growth or your walk with Jesus. 
by saying higher power because right. you know exactly what your higher power is. And I think sometimes Christians feel like they're denying Christ if they're not allowed to say right. or if it's improper to be specific in a meeting. And let me just say, that is not denying Christ. That is honoring the fellowship that you're in. And in doing that, you are showing respect to Christ because Christ says we're to obey the authorities right. in our lives. And the the group as a whole is kind of that. And so, you know, it's when in Rome kind of thing. You're not denying well, the Lord yeah. if you don't if you don't say Jesus. Um, I, I have a problem with that when in Rome thing is you know and the the this but it this cannot, area that we're talking about and yeah. and this whole thing is I get passionate about because I think it's important to make sure that we're we're, we're we teach people the right thing. Sure. Okay, I go into meetings, and if I'm sharing about my higher power, yeah. which is God or Jesus Christ, whichever word mm-hmm. you want to use, I share that if I'm talking about my spiritual growth. Right. Uh, you know, I'll share, you know, this is my higher power, and this is why, or whatever. Uh, and I'm you not can going do that. To, I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to. Right. I'm not going to deny it because. I might hurt someone's feelings. Well, if someone talks about some other religion that I don't, I don't, I mean, I could do the same thing as somebody else was talking about another religion that I didn't believe in. You know what? It's they have a right to do that. Wherever you are at in your life, yeah, that's okay. You know, uh, but that doesn't mean you Bible bash somebody, right? You, it's your deal. I mean, I, yeah. I've even gone, I've even seen it go swing the other direction where I get people uh, that I work with in treatment programs that. They won't. You know, we can't. We can't talk about God. So they won't even say the word. I've had guy. I've had counselors that are Christians actually spell out the word G O D. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Right. I mean, you're basically compromising your your belief system and um, your your spirituality and your growth and all that. And besides that, we talk about God all the time in every recovery program. If you're reading it's a in meditation, the right, it's in the literature. Right. Hazelden, you know, any whatever secular, I don't like the word secular, but it's it's all in there. And it doesn't say anything in the big book about you can't you can't do it. Does well, it say it, anywhere in the big as book a matter that you of fact, can't share your, your spirituality? As a matter of fact, uh, Bill W. refers to, by name on page 11 in Bill's story— Christ. Right. He says to Christ, you know, he conceded to be at least a good man, not too closely followed by his followers. Right. He refers to him, and then he, because that was kind of his viewpoint, because he, he was very highly influenced by his grandfather, who was very anti religious. Um, but then later on, if you read the full story, he's basically saying he needed to stop thinking like that and that right. he was incorrect. So, so when I, so when I say in Rome, I'm just saying, be respectful right. of the fellowship you're in. So if somebody says their higher power is grandfather and somebody shoots them down in <laughs> or a the me- doorknob and somebody shoots them down in a meeting, I'll be the first one to say, leave that guy alone. Right. And that's where he's at at this point in his life. Uh, and I agree. I mean, I go into meetings and, and this is a whole nother, probably a whole nother issue, but even introductions, man, I don't call myself an addict or an alcoholic anymore because I'm not. And I think it's a negative reinforcement. So I say I'm, I'm, you know, I fit in as you know best I can. Right. I say I'm in recovery. 
And that, that should be perfectly acceptable. I've never had anybody say boo about it to right. me ever. And I'm usually the only one that does it. Right. And But I'm not going to compromise on my walk right. and my recovery because everyone else is doing it. It's like, you know, I'm not going to yeah. jump off the bridge just because everyone else is jumping off the bridge because it's the thing to do this week. It is interesting. They tell us to get a higher power, and then sometimes they won't let us talk about him once we got him. You can, you can have a higher... <laughs> oh, it's kind of like... Uh, kind of like... I don't know if I want to go there. The the the, the left, yeah, right? Yeah. If you don't believe what we believe or say what we say, then you're there's we're against you. You're you're damned and you're this and you're that, right? You're a hater. You're what happened racist, to us having yeah. a conversation and everybody sharing? Because how are we going to learn from each other if we don't share our beliefs and the reasoning behind them in a calm, loving manner? If we're out yeah. there bashing somebody, I mean, I, I there was a, a uh, there was a there was a, a girl long term uh, recovery. You can lovingly call her the, one of the AA Nazis. Because she was a, she hard line and everything had to be, you know, like exactly by the book. You know, mm-hmm. it, it talks about you know the only re- requirement for membership, right? Is right. is to stop doing whatever it is that fellowship stop, says. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But there was an incident with a, a local girl who needed to go to meetings every day, mm-hmm. and there wasn't an, an NA meeting every day, so she would go to the AA meeting, and like a good number of people in the meetings in that area right. people would introduce themselves as addict alcoholics, which I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. I don't get my skirt and a ruffle it, over that. You know what? It, but a lot more she, things would, to get she pulled about. people aside and said, if you are going to be here in this meeting, you have to address yourself as this. Wow. Otherwise you, you're not welcome here. And that there was one particular girl. I ended up relapsing and, and was in a coma in the hospital for like two weeks. I mean, we don't. Sometimes people don't think about the effect they have right on others. I mean, and it, yeah, it, the whole the the thing is is that we should allow bring everybody in. I mean, I get there's there's guidelines, but like, sure, you can't go like off off topic totally, right? You know, right? But if someone is in willing to stop doing whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. hey, come on in. Yeah, and this is a different day now too than eighty years ago. I mean, I mean, right. come on, we, we people are are cross addicted. People have co occurring mental health issues. I mean, and if we're not flexible enough to allow people to be themselves, and we're going to boot them out of a meeting or make them feel unwelcome, then that's not reaching out with the hand of AA or NA to those right. who still suffer. That just is. Well, and I think that hand should be a a, a loving, guiding hand, not. You know, smack you down, right? Yeah, and so, like you mentioned on your show Monday, uh, a, a couple of your guests talked about how there's there should be understanding on both sides that we're it's not the 30s anymore, right? Right, right. things are different. Yeah, um, there's people that have been had had their lives uh, damaged in so many different ways, and you know what? Let's just embrace people that are have the courage to show up and walk through the door right I don't, that was a huge thing for even, me you know yeah if you want to call yourself a chicken i don't i mean i don't really care I'm as long glad as you show here, up man yeah yeah so, so i'm addicted to pizza right <laughs> 
so how do you continue your 12-step journey? Continue it. You, you can, yeah. now, because there's not always going to be a faith-based meeting right. in your area. Now, and they're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. They actually complement each other. Right. And like you said, it's, that's what I did the first, almost for the first two years. I went to a meeting every single day. Well, there isn't a Christian 12-step group every single day. No, there's not. If there is one, it's usually once a week. Right. Yeah. Maybe you can find two meetings in a week at two different areas lucky. across town. Right. But, I mean, it, it gives you an opportunity if you – I mean, that's why they do the 90 and 90 suggestion. I mean, I don't know if they do that anymore, but it's to get in the habit of going to, to meetings. To get in the habit, yeah. But also to see what all is out there. You know, so you bet. You, maybe you go to AA and NA and CR and, and maybe some other uh, life recovery workbook sure. group or – Al-Anon, a speaker meeting, open topic. I mean, there's so many different ones you can go and see what fits best and, with you. And may I just say that if you are a, if you are now a Christian, whether you're a baby Christian or you've been mm. for years and you're in a and you're in twelve step recovery, part of being a Christian is being out amongst other people other than just people that believe like you. Right. We're to go out into all the world and be the light and. You can be the light without saying a word. Right. Um, so don't don't bail. You know, don't bail. And if you can find a faith based twelve step meeting, grab onto that. Well, hey, remember who did Jesus hang out with? Yeah, people did he hang out <laughs> with? You know the the angels and you know yeah right <laughs> look down upon the world. You know no, he hung out with the the criminals and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of the same thing. We need to be with people that are hurting. So if we have a little bit, you know, uh, different program or we incorporate, you know, uh, a God or Jesus, uh, and uh, we need to continue to go to those meetings because we're mandated to be out there sharing yeah. the word. Yeah. And sometimes bet. sharing the word is just sharing our experience. So people say, hey. How did you do that? Yeah. But then you can share your, your experience. And if you, if you think you have to be God-specific to be effective for Christ, you're mistaken. Because I'm telling you, I, I there are people that I've admired that I've heard their story, and I didn't even find out they were Christians till later. Right. And they really impacted me, so don't give up. So Matt H., uh, with this question, and this kind of lead is a good segue <laughs> into this. Has AA and NA, Matt H. says, has AA and NA shifted into a cult instead of a God-centered program of recovery? If so, why? Um, so let's look at what a cult is, first of all. And, I mean, if, if you investigate the definition of a cult, one of the, one of the keystone attributes of a cult is that there's one head and you had better fall in line with whatever he or she is saying. Um, there's no democracy. There's just one person who is pretty much a dictator i personally don't see that within the fellowship itself as a whole of aarna now i've seen it with individuals in the program sometimes sometimes you'll you'll i mean i haven't experienced this but i hear you know meetings like right individual meetings can get like that if can we, become kind of cool allow them yeah you get one yeah. person that is the one that shows up there every week and no, maybe nobody else shows up. Mm -hmm. And so they take it upon themselves in the beginning to to run everything and make sure everything gets done. Well, 
as you grow, you have to bring other people in and get other input. Yeah. Right? And so, but sometimes you get, I've seen people get stuck in that where they think. I have too. You know, and. and Got the same person chairing the meeting every meeting. They get voted meeting. out eventually. Because the, the, the DNA, if you will, of the service structure of both fellowships is designed to not allow somebody to be in a position for a long time. Right. They're supposed to rotate out to, to not only allow somebody new to come in and experience it, but also to learn how to be humble and move on. And so if your fellowship isn't doing that, and it's the same three or four people for year after year after year after year, especially if they're not teaching or are living or really bringing the program that's in the literature out there and they're bringing their own opinion, I can see where it can appear a little cult-like. Um, and so you got to be careful. So, Well, I think that some of that is what we talked about before, where you get people that want to interject their own opinion or thought process and say, like, you know, you – if you're going to come to this meeting, you have to do this or that. Yeah, then I we're mean, that's, that's dangerous. Ground. I mean, I could get maybe where you that might be, you know, construed as mm-hmm. as, as cultish. But you know what? There's always another meeting. If it if it's if it's like that, yeah, I I highly recommend that you go find another meeting. Eventually, the meeting will fall apart. Or the person will straight, you know, the, it'll correct itself. Straight itself out, yeah. Or maybe you need to go start your own meeting. Maybe that's part of your service commitment. And I know within the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, for instance, uh, there is actually a process called a group inventory that can be taken if a meeting is going too far off the rails. Uh, if you want to investigate that, um, Matt, you can you can look in the uh, service structure at aa.org and investigate that a little bit. Um, but groups have had to do that before. I know churches that have had to do that before. Right. Uh, I knew a Rotary Club that got kind of weird. They had to kind of hit the reset button. It's part of human nature that we go sideways, and it's also good to be able to reset sometimes. So um, don't fear. God's still there. He's still in it. <laughs> right. He ain't got. He he hasn't gone anywhere, right? It's usually the, the people that have thrown a blanket over him or tried to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris A says the best way to help ourselves is to help others. So he made a statement. Yeah, he's making a statement. Uh, would you concur, counselor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, that was one of the key things for my uh, for my recovery. Um was getting outside of myself. Yeah. Because my comfort zone is my little bubble. Right. And my, and isolating. I I'm I'm perfectly fine isolating, hanging out with just my wife and just my dog or, or by myself. Yeah. Um cuz people are complicated. Well, when I got into recovery this time, I had to, you know, the only thing you have to change is everything. So I had to go the opposite of that. So that means I got to push myself into doing something different, which is going out and and helping someone else. And so that ended up being um, a huge part of my recovery process. And and what I teach others to do is, you know, the I do a little spin on the 90 and 90, right? It's like I think you need a combination of meetings and service work. 
Yeah. Because just going to meetings, <clears throat> right, uh, isn't going to change your life. You're going to get, you know, just like in treatment, you know, you're going to get information, but then how are you going to apply that? So you actually need to practice doing that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in conjunction with, you know, hopefully you have a sponsor that can help you steer through that too. But the service work uh, was huge for me because then I got outside of myself. Right. Me too. And, the, the you know, the, the selfish part of the program, right, you, you, you only – you you got to do it for yourself, but the only way you can keep it is if you give it away and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually get you get more out of it when you help someone else because you have that you're actually getting that instant gratification when you help someone else and they say thank you, right? Except for it's a healthy, right? It's a healthy thing. And yeah. then you go, then you graduate, maybe even as you continue to practice these things, and you go out and help somebody without telling them or letting them know yeah anonymously right yeah and then hopefully you can see the reaction maybe maybe not um or just making sure that you're doing the next right thing whatever that is right and then you'll see good things happen to you i mean the first time i you know uh someone came up to me at a meeting and said you know what what you said in the meeting you you know a couple you guys shared some things and changed my life i have some hope now I, I was driving down the highway and I was getting on my way to go kill myself. And I turned left uh, and I said, oh, there's a meeting. And I, I decided to turn left instead of going straight. Mm. And um, goes, now, I, now I don't, I don't want to kill myself, which is huge. Yeah. And I didn't hear, the guy, hear from the guy for probably a, a year. Mm-hmm. And then I get a, I get a call. And this, it's this guy. He says, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I found your number in my wallet because I gave him one of my cards. I said, oh, hey, wow. if you ever need anything, yeah. call me. Sweet. So he called me. It was like awesome. And I was able to get him connected up with a, uh, with a church that actually had some housing because his girlfriend was kicking him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got him into a recovery program and hooked him up with meetings and a, and a living situation. But it was all it was was just living out my recovery, right? Being right. of service right. to others and putting my hand mm-hmm. out and being available, uh, and then watching these things unfold. And yeah. it's amazing how you don't really know how a, the impact your life has on somebody else. And, and and let me say when I when I started doing service work. Because I was still pretty selfish and self-centered, I have to be really honest, I started doing it, the motivation was so I could feel good about myself. Yeah, That's pretty natural. Don't beat yourself up over that. If, if, if you're pouring the coffee and you're getting kind of a, a good feeling from doing it, that, that's a good thing. Now, learning how to funnel that properly, you know, that kind of comes with maturity. But I just kept doing it. And what happened was, after a while, working with my sponsor, working through the step process, what happened was I ended up doing service work just because. And it wasn't motivated by selfishness anymore. It was just doing the next right thing. And I got to see the benefit of that. Sometimes I didn't even notice it because I wasn't waiting for the feeling anymore. Right. Um, but it seemed like when I needed the most, when I needed that boost, a little self-esteem, it just came. 
you know, because uh, I remember being really uh, depressed about something and and I had people coming up to me saying, are you kidding me? Do you not see the impact you're having on so-and-so and so-and-so? And I didn't even thought about it, yep. but it was there. But I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have been in some form of service. Yeah. I, I uh, was just thinking here, you know, uh, when I first started, I I didn't want to do it. Right. But I was committed to doing the opposite of what I was doing before, and I knew I had to you knew you continue had to do something. And, and follow yeah. through. Um, it's, it's so, it's so interesting, uh, uh, to see the change, the change in people's lives. You know, you're, you know, I'm assuming you're, that what you just shared is, is probably tied into AA. Yeah. What I found, uh, for me, the boost that I needed, I got from NA when you walk, you know, the first, I remember the first time I walked in, maybe it wasn't the first time, but. It was the time I walked into an NA meeting and there was this big biker dude and he, you know, he says, welcome. We're, we're, I'm yeah. glad to see you, you know, yeah. give you a big hug. And it's yeah. like, okay, what the heck did I just walk into? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right. And then as I'm, you know, uh, going to meetings and I'm sharing, I'm just doing the thing, right. They get, they have these, uh, you know, the medallion ceremonies and uh, sure. the meetings that I went to, the NA meetings, uh, they would often have it at the beginning of the meeting. And sometimes it would last, you know, for a while. And I remember the first time going up there and, uh, you know, it was, it, it blew me away because I, you know, get up there and I go, you know, get a 30 day or 60 day or 90 mm -hmm. day and mm -hmm. someone presents you with it and they say a couple of nice things. And the first time, I mean, literally, there were people lined up to share the things that they got out of what I talked about. And wow. I shared, they're like, you know, I, I just want to tell you how much you, you're, yeah. what you've said in group or what you shared and how you live your life has, has changed the way that, you know, that I live my life. Mm -hmm. Or it made me think about this or that. And I mean, to me... That was like this is this is this is what I need, you yeah. know, because we yeah we're constantly uh, a lot of us doing these things. We're already kind of in the helper mode in our mind, right? And we're we're not getting, you know, someone saying, "Hey, you know, appreciate you, good job," right? yeah, because most yeah. people need that, sure, you know, positive affirmation. Say, you bet. Hey, thank you. That's or, not an ego thing. That's job. part. Of, that's how we're built. We, right. we we need that. Yeah. And so NA was the the probably the the place that. They gave me that when I needed it to to boost me on down the road. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that anywhere else. I didn't get that at AA. I didn't get that at church. You know, I didn't get that really anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but when that happened, then it started happening everywhere. Hmm. You know? Did you start noticing it more maybe or? Uh, probably. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it was just because I was engaged, you know, and I was gotcha. actually doing it because right. then it was like okay this is this is good this makes right. me feel good right Excuse right me. and so you know that that 90 and 90 turned into mm -hmm. just i'm just going to go to a meeting today i'm not going to count whether it's you know 90 meetings yeah. in 90 days i'm just going to go to meetings because i it i feel good well it became what you did right it was my it was it was the thing that kept me going from day to day yeah 
because I found that I, as I, well, once God removed the obsession, it was kind of freaky because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to live life on life's terms. Mm-hmm. But when I went to the meetings and I, sh- at the end of the day is when I typically went and I shared what was going on in my life, good or bad, and left it there. The, the committee was gone in my head. You know, I didn't, ha- I didn't, you know, I didn't get kept up at night. I didn't have, I didn't, I stopped having dreams. Wow. Um, and it was, yeah. So I, I'm like, why would I want to stop doing this? Right. Right. You know? uh, Catherine, uh, and this kind of speaks to that. Catherine L said, I tell those I sponsor, uh, and then this wasn't one of them you marked, but I just saw this, uh, two things, addiction and recovery have only one thing in common. They are both selfish. We are selfish within our past addiction. Recovery takes self and needs to come first. Uh, and she goes, well, maybe God first, uh, then recovery. Um, and so I think sometimes people get into these arguments about whether well, it's a selfish program, so you have to be selfish. Well, no, it's not. It's a selfless program, but and we're talking about semantics. I think we stop arguing about that. Right. Just And just take it easy here. And the deal of it is when you find yourself in a position of of helping somebody else, it may be a little uncomfortable, but you go ahead and you do it. It's one of those things that falls in the category of doing the next right thing. Right. And so when you when you help somebody else, you are being selfless and in a good way it benefits self. So is that selfish? Ah, if you want to call it that, I suppose. But I know that if I'm not in some form of service to to God and the people he puts in my life, I'm probably not going to stay healthy for very long. Well I think that selfish part comes from the fact that I need to do this no matter what. No matter what, yeah. I don't care what you say or, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I got to do this. You know, there's this, the the movie that's on t- you know, TV or the concert that's going on this night. No, that's got to come second. I got to, you know, just because yeah. my wife wants to go to a concert on Monday night, if I have a meeting that I... That's in You're my committed schedule. To, yeah. Then I go to the meeting. Yeah. And w- my recovery, uh, once I, you know, my life changed, you know, my priorities list changed. Right. So now my priority is God comes first. My recovery is, you know, right up there. Right. Uh, myself. Uh, and then comes like family. Mm-hmm. And then my job is at the bottom of the list. And, and before it was more at the top of the list. I got to get the dollar so I can you know, support my yeah, family, which there's a shift. It was a big joke. But the idea is that that's the selfish part of it is, is because I'm going to do this no matter what. Right. Because it's a life or death thing for me. I have to do this. You're not going to uh, pull me off my path. You're not going to make me, you bet, you know, stumble. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, follow, you know, I'm not going to be codependent. I'm not going to stop doing what, you know, a question came up. Uh, God, I don't know what. It's probably I was in you know four or five, four fourth or fifth year of my recovery, and uh, me and my wife got back together, and she says, uh, "Why do you still got to go to meetings?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "I don't." But you probably wouldn't like the person uh, that I would become if I stopped going to meetings, right? And it, that's being selfish because, like, okay, so now I should just stop going to meetings so I could sit around the, at home and watch TV or hang out with my wife, or which I enjoy doing, but 
I can enjoy doing that the other four nights of the week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I, in order for me to keep healthy and stay on track, I need to go to meetings. I need to do service work. Because that's what got me to the point where I was at. Which in turn is actually in reality selfless. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. So they, they kind of coexist. Yeah. But people get confused over that all the time. Right, they do. Uh, Catherine also said, and this is the last one on here, clear up how steps eight and nine should be accomplished within our recovery journey and how to handle those not accepting or willing to forgive. So eight and nine is about making... Uh, it, it, it is taking this this inventory that we've got and these harms done and the people that we've harmed and then in nine making an amends for those things and sometimes when we approach people that we're making an amends with seldom but there are times when they're not prepared to receive it not willing to receive it um, and other times they're great they're like I oh, don't worry about it it's water under the bridge um, have you ever made amends to somebody, Dave, and they were not willing to receive it? No. I haven't either. I so haven't just to clarify, yeah. step eight is making a list. You make the list. And the list comes from the fourth step. The fourth step, right. The it's making a list of the people you have harmed, right? And, yep. make it, and being w- willing to make amends to them all. Um, and so what the once you got that list, and sometimes when you're – when you're doing this, when you're moving through all of this process and, and praying and asking for help from others, mm-hmm. more people get added to your list. Yeah. Um, and, and step nine, I, I believe that, uh, you know, God will put opportunities in our path when we're ready to do them. Yeah. Uh, we also got to look at there's things that we can't ever Making an actual face-to-face amends. A direct amends, right. Right? Right. So we have to actually live it out, you know, because uh, people, you know, they pass on. Because it says, let me say this, it says, may direct amends wherever possible. Wherever possible. Right. Which would suggest that there may be some that it's just not possible to make direct amends. Well, to. and here's the thing. So if someone's passed and I own amends, does that mean I don't have to make an amends? I think you are ready to make that amends if the uh, the situation ever comes about where you can. Well, I think. Well, this is this is how I I've done mine, right? So uh-huh. if I owe someone amends and they're past or I have no clue where they're at, right? I'm going to do something that uh, makes up for that counterbalance. So it, yeah. I go be of service to others, mm-hmm. right? Or if I owe somebody some money, right, and there's right. no way I can pay it back, right? So I I can donate it, I can make a donation in their name to right. whatever charity that that I believe that they would that would honor, yeah, would, yeah, you know, be uh, give honor to them, yeah, or their memory, um, you know, dealing dope, you know, how many people did you, did you rip off? Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't rip off anybody. I probably gave. Better deals and you know because well I did want to everybody <laughs> make everybody feel good. I give, I give but the, the guy problem his, is yeah. is you don't know how many people that that's affected. So right. the living amends where you just <clears throat> you don't you change your life. You don't go back to doing any of those things. Right. And, and pay and it that's forward. fine. And that's, that's 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 the deal. Yeah, because I know people that oh, man, I just, it's just haunting me. I've never been able to guy person's gone or I've lost contact and so forth. And I say, listen, what you've been doing. 
uh, you know, when we when I've worked with somebody, I've said what you've been doing in place of that, you've gone even above board. Yep. You need you need to give yourself a break here. Well, and there's all kinds of things you can do. You know, if you're into like different types of rituals and things like that, I mean, you can do a prayer and stick it, you know, stick it in a box, God box. Yeah, you could do write a letter, stick it in a helium balloon, set it off. Yeah, um, there's different things that you can do. As long as you're not minimizing the situation because right. you're avoiding it, if you truly cannot right. do this directly, and, and you know whether you can or can't, and, and if you can't, then there are things you can do, and then you let it go. Yep. You, you let it be. God presented me with something like literally like the first, I don't know, three days I was out of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the grocery store, and I ran, there was a, a girl uh, that I used to work at at this electronics company. She walked by, and at first I didn't recognize her because uh, she looked a little different. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's so-and-so, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I owe her amends. Because I think I was, I mean, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I said something that, you know, upset her, and she, was, she started crying. And I don't, you know, so I just remember that, and I thought, well, Man, I I gotta go and I gotta go making amends. So I went around the store to try to find her. She was already gone. But that was God giving me an giving me the opportunity to like say, okay, when this situation comes up again, mm-hmm. you know, don't hesitate next time. Right. But it's okay because now you you're aware of it, and now you can make up for it in another way, or at least you'll be ready to. If it presents itself again, right, right, um, and yeah, there, there's uh, I've had things come up um, years, years and years later. Mm-hmm. People mention things that I just didn't remember, right? You know, turns out, you know, I've been an alcoholic for way longer than that you even than knew. I realized. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So when somebody doesn't receive it. Uh, to, to address your question, right. how to handle those not accepting or willing to forgive you, you know, uh, you know, okay, but that's not the point. The right. point you're making the amends, how they receive that or respond to it is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to make the amends. Yes. So how do you deal with that? What well, you know what that can be hurtful. That can be painful. Um, the way I've I've done that before, and because I've never had anybody. You know, say no. I, I I refuse to accept that or anything like that. But I have, uh, I have one guy in particular that I have lost total contact with. He was my best friend for years. He was my best drinking buddy for years. And there's just no way we're going to connect because he's made the decision to write off everybody in his life from that time in his life. And I'm I've honored that. I'm I'm not going there. Um, but it was hurtful. Yeah. You know. But the deal was. Um, I did the best I could at making an amends for being a part of his active alcoholism. Right. Right. Um, I, I went to him. I wrote him a letter. I did everything in my power to do it. I'm free. Right. I am free. And sometimes we will convince ourselves we're not free unless they've received it the way our expectation expectation of them receiving it should be. Or or they, they, they say they forgive us or... Right. We go into it uh, expecting to be forgiven, like we ask them for forgiveness, right? Where that's that's totally different than expecting it. Well, right? that's totally 
not the point of why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. The point is, is taking responsibility for what we've done. Right. And and trying to make an amends the best we can. Right. That's all we're responsible for. And we got to be okay with just doing that. Doing we gotta, that. We need to grow up. We need to just say, hey, yeah, we got to understand that some people are going to accept it and some people and are not, not. And that's okay. It, yep. Perfectly right? all right. Same with forgiveness, right? Maybe somebody... It doesn't deserve forgiveness mm-hmm. or I can't, you know, I'm not able to say it to their face. Well, we still need to do it because if we, if we're forgiven, then we need to be able to forgive others because that's right. Otherwise we're just saying that we're better than God. So we need to forgive somebody for not being forgiving. And we probably right? deserve them being you know, indignant or whatever Probably. their response is of that. And, does, you know, right. that's okay. In, in my case with the gentleman that has cut all ties, I did a lot of damage there. Right. There was a lot of damage there. I don't know to what degree that's affected him. It may be really traumatic. I don't know. But if not communicating with me for the rest of his life is going to help him grow and mature in his relationship with God, because he's also a believer right? Then this side of glory, it's okay. Well, some people get, they they go down that road of, um, I, I'm not going to look at anything from the past. Right. And that's what this guy's doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm from, from today forward. Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, some people can do that. Me, I got to look at my mistakes from I the past to, so I that I clean it up. Yeah. learn from them. If I don't learn from anything, right. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Excuse me. Uh, and so, yeah, these things are all good questions, and they're 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 sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes they're more difficult for some people than others. Uh, the deal of it is that you know, I know it's kind of cliche, putting one foot in front of the other, doing the next right thing. But listen. Um, if if you're doing that and you're you, you got your best efforts going on here, uh, especially if you've got somebody you're accountable to, a sponsor, a mentor, a spiritual advisor, and you're walking through this process, congratulations because that sometimes that's the best you can do, and you're not going to get the result, the ideal result. I've never gotten the ideal result, you know, in every single case. With people that I've dealt with, you know what's you know what's great is when you go and try to, you go to make an amends with somebody, and they're like, "I don't even know what you're talking." Oh, about. Oh, I know they don't even. Man, you're going. This thing has been haunting me for years, and you don't even. I can't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> kind of ties into those resentments, right? Right. Ex- drinking poison and expecting the other person, the other person to, die. to die. Gee willikers. Well, this has been great. Uh, So we've got more uh, topics to discuss in the future here. So keep sending them in. Um, There's some pretty interesting ones here, and uh, we'll be looking at those. So you don't want to stop listening to the show because we didn't cover your topic uh, this week because uh, we may next time. Who knows, Dave? That's right. Right? So I thought it would be fun because we kind of Elmer Fudded the theme a little bit, hunting for a topic, right? Waskily wabbits. So... Our closing song today is called Grilled Cheese, and it's Elmer Fudd singing Grilled Cheese. Here's Elmer. (laughs) I 
worked so very hard all day long. I start to dream of you before I get home. Grilled cheese. I hope you're ready, cause we got a date. I just can't wait to get home and put you on my plate. Grilled cheese. Sandwich. The butter will start melting when I wipe the flame. Cause the butter and the cheese are gonna play a little game. It's called melting on the bread. Don't need a burger, don't need no shake. I'll laugh in your face if you offer me cake. Don't waste my time with your Brussels sprouts. If you make me a steak, I'll just throw it out. I want a grilled cheese, not a BLT. Grilled cheese. Are you following me? Grilled cheese. I love you more than any other. I think I'm gonna make another grilled, 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 grilled cheese, if you please. Mr. Elmer Fudd singing grilled cheese. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming, and we are reminding you that you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.